0: I learned something this week, a fascinating discovery from Shark Bay, Australia. First of all, I love that. I mean, if you have a town named Shark Bay, you know it's going to be something really cool. And it's about this seagrass. Hang with me. It's, It's seagrass that has spread over 77 square miles. So there's 77 square miles of this seagrass that exists in this bay. For a frame of reference, it's about 20,000 football fields is how far that spans. What's fascinating is that it all belongs to the same plant. It all came from the same seed. Isn't that interesting? I've grabbed on the way out because, and I'm thankful I didn't do it like some of you, I didn't start planting this year even though it got really warm in the past couple weeks. I have right here... A jumbo watermelon seed. And you probably cannot see it. Can you see it at all? Isn't it amazing how something so small could result in something so great? One of the most common metaphors of the Word of God is that it's a seed. Peter would call it the seed that is perishable. It's not what we are born of. No, we're born of the imperishable seed, the living seed. An abiding word of God, or James would use that that imagery in James one about the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. We're going to do something a week early next week, Lord willing. Our brother Vijay Benson, who preaches in India, whom we support, will be here and will be preaching for us. And so we're going to look at our annual theme just a week early, as Sai led us through. Thank you, my brother, for leading us in those in those thoughts. This month's phrase is, take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. Such a rich phrase. I think of all the the familiar passages in the Word of God that points to the Word as a seed, it's found in perhaps the most memorable parable that Jesus told in Luke 8. A parable about a man who went out and sowed his seed, and the seed fell on all sorts of various soils and grounds, but the one that met the good and fertile heart or soil produce great fruit. If you're in Luke 8, Jesus gives the explanation of the parable in verse 11 when he says, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed in verse 14, which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard and as they go on their way are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. I think one of our common struggles with this is we read the parable and our natural application of this parable is we are the sowers and we have the seed and we need to teach the truth to every person and so we are sharing the word and scattering the word and it may not fall in good hearts there may be some who don't receive it but just keep on sowing keep on sharing it because eventually someone will meet it with a good heart and they will believe it receive it and obey it that's how it's often given or taught that the emphasis is on teaching and on evangelism the problem is, that's not the emphasis Jesus gives in this section. When he initially tells the parable in verse 8, this is how he concludes it. The very end of verse 8, he says, As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And through his explanation, as he saw, the emphasis was on the one who hears the word. As soon as this parable is over, he tells another parable about a lamp. And what you do with that lamp, or don't do with that lamp, and he draws the a conclusion, uh, conclusion in verse 18 where he says, So take care how you listen, for whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, it shall be taken away from him. And then immediately after this, his mother and brothers come to see him, and Jesus tells the crowd, who is calling for Jesus to see his family in verse 21, he answered and said to them, My brother and my mother, my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The whole emphasis is on receiving the word. It's on hearing the Word, not on us teaching the Word. And that changes the way we see the parable. I'm not the teacher in the parable. I'm the soil in this parable. In other words, every time the Word of God is opened, whether it's me at home, just me in the Bible, or in a small private Bible study, or as we're about to do in the next hour in our Bible classes, or even right now in the midst of a sermon, this parable is taking place. I'm going to be one of these soils. And I either will or will not receive the word of God. And that's one of the things I think that comes right out of the parable then is the amount of work it takes to receive the word. The amount of work that needs to be done to prepare ourselves to receive the word of God. One of the first things we wanted to do when we moved here is Holly says, I want us to have a garden. And I had no idea Uh, The amount of work in Texas it would take to do a garden. Short story is I had to build it up and not go down and do one of those raised bed gardens, and it lasted one year, and that was about it. Uh, It didn't last very long. It takes a lot of work in order to prepare the ground to receive the the seeds that you're planting. That's the point Jesus is making here. There is something precious and important life changing, but there's a lot of work that has to go into us receiving this word One of the things he says is we have to avoid the path, verse 12, the hard path, the ground in which the seed falls and man tramples over it, and Jesus' conclusion is Satan will come and snatch it away. There are some hearts we can have, some minds, some disposition. I simply will not hear the word of God. I'm not going to listen. It doesn't matter who says it. It doesn't matter how it's presented. My heart is not in a place to listen or receive the word. We've been walking through Ephesians this month, and in Ephesians 4, Paul describes some. He describes them as the Gentiles in verse 17. He says, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Notice the language there. And the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. But notice what he says. Because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. You get the language? Their heart is so hard, it's become calloused. The seed, the truth, cannot, will not get in. Jesus uses language of the Jews, the Pharisees, when he says, I know that you are Abraham's offspring yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. It will not be received. We can get that way. A tradition, a teaching, I've understood this passage to mean it this way, and I will only ever see this passage this way. I will only ever understand the Bible through this lens, through this teaching, through this understanding. Or I've kind of grabbed onto something. I've grabbed onto a theory or a thought. This doesn't apply to me. The word of God was written by man. It's really not God's word anyway. Our hearts are so close, I will not receive the word. We cannot get it here, brethren, to the point where my mind is so made up that my heart is so close that it doesn't matter what is said, I simply will not listen to the word of God. Described as God's people of hard forehead and the stubborn heart. It doesn't matter what is being said, I'm simply not in a place to listen. It's a path to avoid, it's a hard to, to reject. Having a heart that will not learn. The other thing he talks about, secondly, is the soil that has the rocks. Removing the rocks from the soil. It looks like good soil on the surface, but deep down there's all these rocks underneath it, which prevents the roots from digging deeper, from firmly planting, from firmly grasping. And what he's talking about is a shallow, simple understanding of the Word of God. We can get there, that's where we begin we have the facts, we have the stories, we have the simple understanding of the Word of God, but there's nothing deep to it. There's nothing firmly planted to it. Do you remember those in the book of Hebrews who the writer was talking to and how he says that concerning him, Melchizedek, we have much to say? Kind of fascinating. I have a lot to say about Melchizedek. But, but we can't. It, it's, it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practices have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christless, press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. What do you think? You ought to be a teacher by now. With the amount of time you have had and time in the Word, you ought to be a teacher, and you ought to have a greater, deeper understanding than what you actually have. But instead, your understanding is shallow, and thus your faith is shallow. And that could be some of us. I've got the facts, and I've got the stories. I've got the simple understanding, but that's about it. And Jesus' application, if you look down in verse 13, as that a simple faith and a shallow understanding will not face, will not stand the test of temptation, trials and suffering. That's not the faith that's going to remain rooted. I was a little sleep deprived this morning, and we were getting our breakfast out, and I set six plates. And Holly goes, "We don't need six." I said, "But it's sausage, love. Everyone loves sausage." She goes, babies can't have sausage. It's was like, have you tried? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if she likes it. It starts with milk. But what happens as, as a disciple of God, as a child of God, who simply stays on milk, they never challenges themselves to lower the nets deeper, to press onto the meat of the word the more challenging and deeper aspects of God's truth, of who He is and what it means to walk in holiness and righteousness. But what happens when we fail to truly dig deep and not just know these words, but trust them wholly with our lives? To to get the language of how Paul described, notice the language in Colossians 2, beginning verse 6, "...as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him," notice, "...having been firmly rooted." and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude you hear the language firmly rooted built up in jesus established strongly set by jesus what describes my faith i've got some basic facts i've got some simple understanding or i'm digging deep digging deep to know god to trust in God, and to stay with God. I've got to avoid the rocks. I have to avoid the simple, basic understanding, the shallow understanding of the Word of God. And then he talks about the thorns, about ripping out these thorns, the thorns which choke out and prevent fruit from being born. And one says he talks about the distractions, and what came to mind is a great lesson Jansen preached a couple of weeks ago when he took us to the story of Mary and Martha and there was Martha who, as in the text says, was so bothered about many different things but failed to choose the one good part. And I wonder if that's us day by day. I really want to be in the Bible, and I want to be in the Word of God, but I've got to get the kids up and dressed and get them to school. And then I've got my worth demands, and the house is dirty, and I've got to do the laundry, and then there's sports, and there's clubs. And in the midst of a chaotic day, sometime I have to devote to the Word of God. I just don't have time for it. There's no space. We're distracted and bothered by so many things. The other side of it is Jesus doesn't just place the emphasis here on a busy schedule. And that's part of it. He also places an emphasis on the mind that's divided. Divided from the things of God and the things of the world. Do you ever notice when John says in 1 John chapter 2, says verse 14, I've written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. And I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. You know the that phrase? And the Word of God abides in you. You have the Word in you. The very next phrase, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. What do you think? You have the Word. You have the Word of God within you. That Word will make all the difference. Do not divide your heart. Do not seek the things of the world. Keep that word. Protect that word. Love that word. Focus on that word. Do not allow your mind and your heart to drift and to wander to the things that will take you far from God. Can you see and appreciate, at least on the screen, I can have a Bible. I can have it open. I can allow my word, my mind, my eyes to read the words on the page. But that doesn't mean it's getting into my heart. I've had to ask myself, in revisiting these these passages, how many times have I had the Bible opened and I read it? And I did my reading. I did my reading for today. The and then the Bible was closed, and nothing happened. And you were to ask me, what did you read? And on paper, I could say, I read the whole Bible. What did you learn from that? What difference did that make in your life? I, I don't know. I read the Bible. I checked it off. It's possible for us to have the seed and to put it near soil or on top of soil. But that doesn't mean that we've done its work, that we've allowed it to do its work, to be deeply rooted and planted within us. That last soil described in verse 12, about that good soil those who have perceived it with the good and honest hearts. That's the aim. It's not just having the word, it's having and planting that word deep in our hearts. I want you to go in your text with me to James chapter one. We're going to end here this morning in James chapter one. The the, the good heart described in verse fifteen of our context is illustrated again in James chapter one. It's fascinating the similarities here. James chapter one. We're going to start our picking up into context in the context of verse twenty one. James one and verse twenty one. James 1, beginning verse 21, it says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. How do we develop this kind of a heart? The heart, Jesus said, that's going to receive this word and bear good fruit. You know, that the very first thing is removing, right? This good and honest heart. James says to remove all filthiness and wickedness and that which remains of the world within our hearts. I love the picture that God gives through Jeremiah of his people when he says, "...to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear?" Notice, "...behold, their ears are uncircumcised." That's fascinating language. Their ears are uncircumcised. Circumcision is this picture, this description of purity, of holiness, of a people devoted to God. And these people are described as uncircumcised in ear, but notice how he goes on, "...they cannot listen." Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn, and they take no pleasure in it. What happens when we allow the thinking and the attitude and the ways of the world to set deep in our heart? It's awful hard when my mind is so full of pride or greed or lust. jealousy or materialism to make any kind of room for that which is holy and righteous and sacred and pure he doesn't say you know I know you're uncircumcised but I, I have something I want you to understand make some room in your heart he says you need to remove the foreskin of your heart circumcise your heart something has to change I will not listen to the pure, righteous words of God so long as my heart is set on the ways of the world. And one of the clearest ways we see that described in James is actually in verse 20. Because in verse 20, verse 21, he says, In humility receive the word implanted. One of the greatest barriers to us receiving the word of God is simply our own pride. Because pride says this, I already know it. I know what that says because I've read it before. I don't need that. I know someone who does need it. I don't need it, though. I don't need that. Pride says, I know this is what it says, but this is really what God means. I'm going to add to this. I'm going to put my twist and my interpretation on this. Or pride says, I I know that that's there, but that doesn't really apply to us today. That's in a different context, in a different culture. It takes away from the Word of God. Some versions won't use humility in 21. Some versions will use the word meekness. My favorite descriptions of meekness is of a horse. Natalie knows a lot about horses. You know the, the neat thing about horses? If you have stood next to one, you immediately realize how small and weak you really are. Those things are mighty and massive and powerful. And yet when they have been trained by a rider, someone small and feeble, considerably weaker can direct and guide and lead that horse and that powerful animal completely submits to the direction of its rider and tells it to go faster tells it to stop it tells it to, to leap it has surrendered and submitted to its master that's meekness power in submission relinquishing control in meekness james says receive the word i am willing to submit to god i'm coming not to teach i'm coming not to prove i'm coming not to grab a passage to make my stance or to prove my stance on social media but i am coming to listen and to learn i'm coming as an open vessel ready to receive what it is god has said even if it's even if it's difficult even if it proves the way I am thinking and living and wrong today, I am willing to be completely directed by God and His words. Proverbs 10, verse 17 says it this way, He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who uh, forsakes reproof goes astray. And so those who use the Word of God, and they use it with kindness and love, and yet show that the way we are living or the way we're teaching is inconsistent with the Word of God, Someone with a good and honest heart is going to say thank you for showing me and I'm going to change the way I'm living. Pride says this, you're just jealous of me. Pride says, you just wish you were in my shoes. Pride says, you just are, are just of the world. You're judging me, you're critical, and I don't need those kind of complaining voices in my life. Passage before, the chapter before says it this way, Do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. For some reason, we have adopted in this culture this idea that you can't say anything negative to me. You can't say anything critical to me. If you do, you really don't love me. If you do, you're really not a friend. You're really not a brother in Christ. You're just judging me. Well, those who are of the world think that way. Those who don't have wisdom live that way and understand that way. But those who the wise man says are actually of of wisdom, look in verse 9. If you give them instruction, give instruction to a wise man, he will still be wiser. If you teach a righteous man, he will increase his learning. Don't you love it when you come to someone who is so wise, who's entrenched themselves in the Word of God, and you want to share something you've learned? Have you ever been that way to someone where you try and share something you've studied, and someone goes, I already knew that. I've taught classes on that. I've re- written books on that. Isn't it amazing that you can share something with someone who is wise and entrenched themselves in the Word of God, and they receive it and say, thank you for sharing with, uh, that with me. That's a really neat truth. I was floored when, as I started in my early 20s, meeting with Paul Earnhardt, I came with a recorder, and a notebook, and several pens, and for the most of the time, I just wrote down, and wrote down, and wrote down, and wrote down. He asked me what I thought about preaching. I don't remember what I said at the time, because it didn't matter. <laughs> I'd only been preaching for a year, and whatever I said, I guarantee I wouldn't say today. Why ask? Because those who are wise love learning. But we love to learn and are willing to learn. We have a heart that's open to learn. Pride will rob us of any opportunity. Whether if it is correction or if it's kindness. Whether if it's encouragement or it's rebuke. Pride is the one thing that is keeping us from hearing the word of God Hearing God speak through His people and hearing God speak through His Word. And so one of the things we have to avoid, good brethren, is removing these kind of attitudes from our heart to be able to be an empty vessel listening to Him. But He also says to receive the Word. Notice, they received it or they heard it and they hold fast. Verse 21, James, Receive the Word implanted, which is able to save your souls. It's not that I'm taking the seed and I'm sending it on the surface. I'm putting it on the top. I'm setting it on the grass, right on the foundation of the pl- of, of of the earth. I'm planting it deep down, deeply rooted. I am digging this far beneath the surface, down into the soil. I want this deep, not simply surface level. It's not I've got some facts today. I've heard some neat things from our study. I want this deep in my heart. God says to my people of this new covenant, my truth will be on your Heart The wise man says, "Take these truths and write them on the tablet of your heart. How do you do that? How do you take the truth of God and write it on your heart? I love the language that was used of Mary, who was taking everything in There's a lot of these passages that are new and I appreciate from a different view from the past month when all these things were taking place with the child Jesus, there was a lot that was taking place about those who were saying things about her baby, the prophecies, the praise. And all it simply said, after Jesus continued with him in subjection, is that she treasured all these things in her heart. Can you have anything you've treasured in your heart? Do you remember your your wife coming down the aisle or the the pathway when you got married? Do you remember that? Do you remember meeting your child for the first time, whether in adoption or in birth, and you got to meet them for the first time? Are there songs you have right now that you could just, you don't have to have the music, you could start singing or or humming along to right now? Are there some poems or statements or quotes that you could just write now? You don't have to read it, you could just share it. Because of the depth of significance it means to you. Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When, when we value and treasure the Word of God, we store treasure in a precious place. And the most precious and guarded place we have is our heart. When we have the Word of God in our heart, treasure it in our heart, it's with us always. Which means there's sometimes, I don't have to have an open Bible, but I know what the Word of God says. I've written it down deep. I know what God's Word says. His promises, His commandments, His guidance. I've kept them. I've honored them. I've valued them. And thus I've placed them in the most sacred and special place that I have. I want you to know, so one thing in our context in verse 21. Notice again, in humility receive... Help me. Like, what's that mean? Receive the word. What word? The Matthew, Mark, Luke, John word? I've heard that a lot. I've heard it repeated more often, is that these red words seem to carry a lot more weight than the black words. Or that if we could start over brand new and just have the Gospels, imagine how different we would be today. Look, all Scripture is inspired by God. All of it. I heard it said this week, and I love the quote, it takes all of Scripture, the whole Scripture, to produce the whole Christian. I love that. If, if we only needed the Gospels, then God would have just given us the Gospels. But instead, and you might do this today, if you've not been up there in a while, if you go to the very top of our upstairs, right where our classrooms divide, you'll find a picture a lot like this. It's up on our wall. You got a moment today? Just look at it. Stand there and take a, take that in. Why did God give us these books? Our precious Old Testament tutor. The amazing value of the history of what we learn about God and his people and his expectations and his holiness. The sufferings of Job, the praise of Psalms, the wisdom of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. The powerful preaching of the prophets. The continuation of the story in the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. What holy life looks like in Christ. Life in Christ looks like from the apostles. And the work and importance of the church from the letters. And even the grand hope and the victory in Revelation. It takes all of the word. I say that to say this. Let's be balanced in our reading. I love the Gospels. And this year we are working through the Gospels. And I love that we're doing that together. But let's keep balanced. If God says it's all profitable, and God says it's all necessary, then I'm going to listen to God, and I'm going to take it all in, every bit of it. I may not like broccoli. I may not be a fan of asparagus. But if God says this is what's going to be necessary for you to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, then I'm going to trust in Him, and I'm going to be balanced in reading His Word. Here's our last thought. Reproduce. It's not about just having the truth and obtaining the truth. It's living this truth, and that's how James ends. He says verse twenty two, prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror, for once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. It is possible to have the Word of God, to read the Word of God, and not live the Word of God. How do we know this? Do you remember from this week's reading, the story Jesus told? The two people he used in his illustration of those who were known as those who knew the Word of God and taught the Word of God, saw a man in need, and betrayed the truth they were, de- they were designed to defend and to teach. The priest and the Levite walked around the very man the law said to help and to care for. It's possible to have the truth. It's possible to know the truth and yet not live it. If we are going to receive the word, or maybe use this language, listen to this. If we are to welcome the word of God into our hearts, that means I'm going to welcome what God's word says. I'm going to welcome the words of hope. I'm going to trust those words. I'm going to welcome the promises of God. And I'm going to trust that if God makes a promise, he's going to keep it. That means I'm also going to welcome some words that hurt. Those words that Paul says are sharp and penetrate and judge and divide. I'm going to welcome those words that show and expose where I am in light of where it is I ought to be by the image of God. What point is it? Did you get the analogy of James I wake up and I look in the mirror and I see what's there. Or maybe I'm shown and told what's there. And I decide, that's ah, good. Or even to think, you know, I probably should do something about that and then close the Bible and go in my way. It could be I read the Word of God and I see there's something I'm not doing I need to do. I need to do now. I need to be a person of prayer. He says to pray at all times and not lose heart. And it's been a while since I prayed. I close the Word, and I don't pray. Or there's things in my life I'm seeing right now, the, the, the deep darkness of the heart revealed, and it shows right where I am, the things I am thinking and the way I am living, and instead of saying, I've, I've got to repent and change, I close the Word, and I say, that was a great time in the Word of God, and nothing changes. you have ever a teacher who said this? I know we have some teachers in here. Have you ever heard them say this before? I know you're listening when your eyes are on me. I've heard myself and my lovely bride say all too often, why aren't you listening? When I say that, I don't mean why aren't you hearing the words I'm saying. What I'm meaning is, why didn't you make your bed? You didn't listen to me. I told you to make your bed. When we say, why aren't you listening? Listening is proven through action. It is demonstrated through what we do. And James says those who truly are receiving the word, you don't have to wonder if they've received it. And rather that's true for each one of us individually. I know if I'm receiving this word the way I ought to because of the fruit that's evident in my life. You ever see those big, scary monster movies? You know the ones where like it starts and everything is calm and cool and collected, and then because of whatever's taking place on the surface... This thing, this monster, comes up from the deep. What was seen hidden is now unearthed for all to see. Jesus said, Out of the heart come evil thoughts and murders and adulteries, fornications, thefts, uh, false witness, and slanders. You brood of vipers in Matthew 12, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. Something about there in them. But in times of conflict, or difficulty, or suffering, whatever is buried deep down becomes unsurfaced, becomes revealed. If I were to take a glance at the fruit I bore this past week, fruit I produced, things I spend my time thinking about, Things I said, the conversations I engaged in, the way I treated people, coworkers, my neighbors, my family. What does my fruit reveal is in my heart? What does my life is revealing is truly deep down within me? Because when we allow these pure, perfect, precious words of God to be in our heart. Not simply that I've read them, but I know them, and I trust them. That I'm allowing myself to be led and directed by these words. Day by day, we're being shaped and molded and transformed into the image of Jesus. We all, Paul says, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The main goal is not simply reading words on the page, but allowing these perfect, precious words gifted by God, given by the Spirit, to lead our lives, to direct our thoughts, to shape our words, to transform who we are so that when we have finished our time in the Word, whenever it was, From that moment, we leave more and more like Jesus. Effective Bible study ends in all the more becoming like the sun. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com questions at the bibleway.com questions at the bibleway.com we'd love to have you in person come if you can but thank you for connecting with us